0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Organized Chaos. So today it's story time. I have shared bits and pieces of this part of our story, but I think that I haven't gone into too much detail about it. And I wanted to share this because I know there are so many of you out there who have can maybe resonate with this and just want to hear that you're not alone. Um, Maybe you're going through this right now. And you just want to maybe see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I wanted to share this because I know that we can grow through some of our biggest struggles. And I know that this part of our story may have been the hardest, but it's been what we've grown through the most. So I'm gonna take you way back in time, two thousand five. Doesn't seem like that long ago for us, but I guess it is. (laughs) Sixteen years. So when Mark and I got married, we had, you know, talked about having kids and, you know, we had a plan of, hey, you know, for a couple years it'll just be me and you. And then, you know, when we decide we want to have kids, then it's just gonna happen, right? And this was a period of time when and you can probably relate to this, where people start asking you, when are you going to have babies? And it was getting to the point where it was like really nauseating. So we actually did start trying a couple years into our marriage and with no success. So we didn't think much of it um, for probably the first year. Um, And then we started to get worried. We were wondering like, what's going on? So we decided to go to the doctor and, um, that's when I found out and got diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome. So I remember the doctor, I actually remember this very vividly. We were sitting, uh, in the doctor's office and, um, at this point we'd had it gone to a, um, reproductive specialist because, you know, we needed help. And, um, the doctor said, well, you know, you've got this, this, and this. And he was kind of pointing out some of the issues which had to do with me. And he said, yeah, but you know, this is like super easy to get over. Or like, I don't remember how he worded it exactly, but it was like very kind of dismissive. And I remember thinking about like all the things he was saying, like some of the the issues that were going on. And I'm like, man, like this is my fault. Like the reason we can't get pregnant is because of me. And obviously that wasn't um, a great headspace to be in, but that's how I felt. But he said, okay, you know, we're going to do this, this and this, and uh, it's going to be fine. So we did. Um, We started, I started to take medication. I had to inject myself with, I really don't remember what it was, but I remember it was painful. Um, And it was very awkward for me to do that. But by this point, like, we were, you know, really eager to become parents. So we did what we had to do. And we ended up getting pregnant. And I I remember just, I don't know, I had like, just a flood of emotions. And we're super happy. And we're like, Oh, wow, like, this is this is really happening. So that's, a happy part of the story um, but things started happening and I started to feel a little strange um, around the 5 to 6 month mark and i remember one day i was at work and i started spotting a little bit and i freaked out i remember going into my boss's office and just feeling like oh my god like i can't, I can't tell him this but like this could be an emergency. So I have to, and I worked at a hospital. So, you know, I told him what happened. He's like, uh, you need to go to the ER. So I did. And I sat there for hours and hours and they checked me out and everything. And they're like, "Mm, there's nothing wrong. We can't find anything out of the ordinary. Your baby's fine. And they pretty much said, we don't know why you were spotting. If it continues, come back but it could just be a fluke. And I thought, well, okay. I mean, I didn't know um, what to expect. So then I was fine. I was totally fine afterwards. Um, And then I started to feel some pain in my back and I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought it may have been sciatica. And for a couple of weeks, I was dealing with this lower back pain that was just not going away. So I went to the doctor again, and this time I went to, um, the urgent care and they did a bunch of tests and they said, oh, you have a UTI, urinary tract infection. So they gave me antibiotics and they sent me home and I'm like, okay. So at this point, um, I could feel Andrew, um, you know, he was kicking and everything and, you know, I had like concerns, but at the same time, I was also enjoying the fact that there was a little baby growing inside of me. And, you know, so there was like this really up and down of emotions that a lot of women feel when they're pregnant. But um, I was really, really getting frustrated with the pain And I was like, okay, if this is the way my pregnancy is going to be from now on, like, I'm not going to make it. So then one day I woke up and I could not even move. The pain was so severe. And thankfully, Mark was home that day and he was going to take me to the doctor. I actually had a doctor's appointment scheduled that day. And this is kind of like, you know, how things just worked out this way. And I just so happened to have a doctor's appointment and I called my boss and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the doctor, but I'm really feeling this is really bad pain. This does not feel good. And my boss was like, yeah, you really need to go to the doctor like right now. You need to get that checked out. So we did. We ended up going to um, the doctor's office that was in the hospital that we were planning on or that I was planning on delivering in. So we had already set all the plans up of where we were going to, or I was going to deliver the baby. And we get there I'm in excruciating pain. And it just so happens that the scheduling got mix, mixed up. And I sat there with Mark for about an hour over my scheduled doctor's appointment. And I looked at Mark and I was like, I can't take this anymore. Like, please just please do something. So then finally they call me in and they take my blood pressure and it was sky high. And she's like, well, are you in pain right now? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm in excruciating pain. She's like, oh, and are you nervous? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm at a doctor's office. So, you know, normally they, they will take it again because they know that people get nervous or they could be in pain and that that's, one of the reasons why your blood pressure would be so high so she took it again she took it four times and i could see the look on her face that she was very concerned because she was like okay this is a true reading and there's something wrong so they call the doctor and um you know they're like you know your blood pressure is really high we need to take care of that we need to admit you to the hospital." because we need to find out what's going on. So I'm worried, Mark's worried, and I was even worried about work. I was thinking, you know, telling Mark, hey, you got to call my work and tell them what's going on, because I don't want them to think that I'm just like not showing up for work. (laughs) I don't know. There were so many things running through my mind, and it like got really scary really fast. Um, They came in, they're like, okay this is what's going on. You have preeclampsia, which preeclampsia is a complication during pregnancy where there's high blood pressure and possible signs of damage to other organs. And if not dealt with right away, um, it could lead to some really serious liver and kidney damage and can be fatal. So at this point, I was about two days away from being 28 weeks pregnant and they were checking Andrew out um, and he was actually smaller than he should be at that time. So they're trying to figure out what to do. And they said, you know what, we're probably going to have to deliver. This was like two days before um, he was actually born. So they were saying, we're probably going to have to deliver. That's the only cure for this and we don't know if he's going to be able to survive um, because he's, you know, you're only like barely 28 weeks. So every day mattered. They said, we're going to try to hold off, but it's not looking good. And then they told me the hospital that I was admitted to does not have a NICU. So a neonatal intensive care unit, which Andrew was definitely going to have to be in. So they said, we have to transport you to another hospital in the network um, so that we can be prepared for when you have to deliver the baby. So that was kind of traumatic because they have to move you to uh, an ambulance and then transport you to another hospital. And at this point, I was out of it. It was... I mean, all of these emotions were just flooding in and I was still in a lot of pain. And I mean, Mark is just an incredible person. He was, he was there and he was obviously trying to figure out what was going on. so, you know, talking to the doctors, talking to the nurses and trying to keep me from freaking out. So we get to the other hospital where they admit me and they're monitoring me and they pretty much drugged me up. I was just completely out of it. Um, I remember bits and pieces of it. Like I remember my mom sitting down on one of the chairs to my right. Mark was coming in and out, in and out, um, you know, asking me questions, probably trying to keep me as comfortable as possible and as calm as possible. But I could tell that he was, he was stressed out. And You know, they were trying to keep me posted on what was going on, you know, how Andrew was doing. So I got admitted on a Thursday, but by Saturday they said, you know what, we can't wait any longer. You're not getting any better and we're just putting the baby in more danger. So we're going to have to do an emergency C-section and they wheeled me into the operating room And I really don't remember much from there, other than if you've ever had a C-section. It's a very strange feeling. I mean, you're numb from like your chest down and you feel like this immense pressure. And it's just like this really weird feeling. And you can hear things and like the cold of the operating room is just, it wasn't really a happy experience. Um, nothing like I imagined, but of course the circumstances were not what we imagined either. So I guess it was taking a while because I found out later that Andrew was so small that they couldn't find him. <laughs> they were trying to go in there and find like this little human and he was just so small. So they were having a difficult time, but... Once he was out, they rushed him into like this little area where, you know, they, they clean him up and they, you know, try to give him oxygen and, um, his lungs were just not developed enough for him to be able to breathe on his own. So they rushed him to the NICU and I didn't get to see him. In fact, I think I saw him maybe 24 to 48 hours after he was born. I remember lying down in the bed after the C-section when they wheeled me back into postpartum and I was still like really drowsy and they came back. I don't know if it was the next day, um, but it was shortly after, you know, he was in the NICU um, and they had taken, they usually take a picture of the babies, but their printer was um, out of toner or something. It was, you know, barely any toner. So they bring me a picture. And they're like, Hey, you know, congratulations. You know, this is your baby. You'll be able to see him possibly um, in a little while. But here's a picture. We're sorry, our printer is not working very well. It's kind of a fuzzy picture. It was. So I see this baby. This little tiny baby um, that has only developed up to 28 weeks gestation. And the the picture was like totally bad. And I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, this was supposed to be one of the happiest moments of our lives. And I was like, one of those moments where I was like, why is this happening? And so... I think Mark or one of the nurses taped the picture of Andrew on like the side panel of the bed and I could look at him, you know, as I was, you know, still near death. Um, cause they're still trying to get my blood pressure to go down. Um, and it finally did, and they wheeled me or in the wheelchair they wheeled me into the NICU so I can actually see Andrew and I couldn't believe my eyes. He was born one pound nine ounces and he was about twelve and three quarter inches long, and he was in this incubator, and i like i I just couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, first off, I was like, wow, we have a baby. And then I said, wow, I didn't know I could see a baby that small. He could literally fit in the palm of our hands. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, amazing listeners of Organized Chaos. I have some exciting news to share with you today. Organized Chaos, a mompreneur's 13-week undated productivity planner, is officially live and ready to be your game changer. This is like having a life coach and a planner, and it's a great companion to seamlessly weave your professional and personal worlds. Every page encourages focus, productivity, organization, and growth. You can grab your Organized Chaos planner on Amazon now or click the link in the show notes. Let's make your chaos beautifully organized one day at a time. He had tubes everywhere. Um, He had (laughs) these little felt um, sunglasses, but they were so he can um, get, I don't know if it was phototherapy because he was jaundice. And I mean, there was a little blood pressure cuff that he had on his leg and it was the smallest cuff they could find. Because um, they don't make him smaller. The diaper is the same thing. The smallest they could find. He was swimming in it. I could see like his every single vein in his body, because his his skin was just like translucent. And I was like, I'm in love. <laughs> I, you know, it was still my baby. So of course, um, we didn't take him home. We had to leave him there. For like one day, we, once I was discharged, um, we went home to sleep and I remember just n- nonstop crying. Um, Mark could not console me because I kept thinking like, we're supposed to bring our baby home when we have a baby. We're not supposed to leave him in the hospital. And it was just, it was very, very traumatic And for the next 73 days, um, Andrew was in the hospital. I mean, he was one pound nine ounces. So he had a long way to go. Um, His lungs were not developed. And he was on a ventilator for about five weeks. So he had a tube down his throat. Um, They had tubes in his nose so he can eat. I I started pumping and freezing all of my breast milk so they can slowly feed that to him. So I was thankful for that, that I could. Um, I didn't breastfeed him, but I did give him my breast milk. Um, he was able to get that. Um, but he was having some problems. He got pneumonia. Um, he... You know, we would have meetings um, with the doctor every so often and, you know, each time, like right before, I was like, what are they going to tell us? What are they going to tell us? And it was just, it was heartbreaking. And it was like, we were like on the edge of our seat, like the whole time, because we didn't know what was going to happen. We honestly didn't know if he was going to survive. So we were just hoping and praying that he would. And slowly... But surely he was gaining a little bit of weight. They um, took him out of the incubator. They took the ventilator off. And, um, you know, he still had kind of those nasal cannulas. But his um, oxygen saturation was getting better. And I remember one day... I don't remember if it was my birthday, which was April 4th. So he was born March 7th. His, my due date was May 29th. So he was 12 weeks early. So I don't remember if it was my birthday, which is April 4th or Mother's Day. I think it was my birthday that um, I was able to hold him for the first time. So almost a month after he was born. I was able to hold him or we were able to hold him and, you know, like skin to skin, um, you know, trying our best to, you know, do the things that you do after your baby is born and the bonding and all of that. So that was really hard. That was a huge, huge, um, trauma for us. And You know, I I talk a lot about like what I was going through, but what Mark was going through was really tough as well. I mean, you can only imagine what um, your spouse feels like seeing you um, suffering and not knowing if you're not going to come home with either a baby or your wife. So I can only imagine what he was feeling, but he was also going through a lot of stress. He was still working. Um, I think he had a few days off um, because his, his at the time he was in a specialized unit. He was in the gang unit uh, for LAPD. And I, I actually remember seeing his lieutenant and his whole unit showed up to the hospital before Andrew was born. And you see a bunch of cops in uniform in the room and I'm sure was freaking out every nurse in the unit. Um, but you know, they were very supportive, um, but he was still going through a lot of stress and he ended up developing shingles, um, through that process. So that was really tough. Um, but we finally were able to bring Andrew home on May 18th, I believe. So he was born March 7th and we brought him home May 18th and he was in on oxygen so we had to bring an oxygen tank. So that was really stressful to try and keep, um, you know, oxygen at the right levels for him. So, I mean, it's scary to have a baby and bring them home. And then people are like, okay, here's your baby. You take care of this human being. Make sure they don't die. Um, but to have a baby who is still in need of extra care was really tough. Um we had to bathe him a special way, make sure, you know, his nasal cannulas were clean. And oh, man, it was it was tough. It was a tough time. So to not take you through each stage of Andrew's life. Um you know, he he ended up still needing some surgeries. He had to we had to take care of some hernias and Um, some severe acid reflux that he had. So he had a few surgeries um, and some occupational therapy. But now we have, uh, at the time of this recording, he's almost a teenager. And he really didn't have severe problems from the preterm birth. Um, They said that he would have chronic lung disease, so that was something we always had to watch for, but he ended up doing track and field. <laughs> so that was really nice to see that he could, you know, be athletic and stuff, but, you know, he's almost a teenager and, um, we love him to death. Now, if you think that's the end of the story, uh, no, <laughs> we did end up having, um, Alyssa Actually, I got pregnant at nine months and without any help, um, ironically enough. So we found out, I actually didn't find out I was pregnant until like month, almost month two. I was actually on birth control. And, um, you know, we found out, you know, that I was pregnant and we were happy, you know. Um, But when I, I think I was six months pregnant when I started to have a, like a fever and you know, it was like, Oh my God, what is happening? Like not this again. Um, because it was around the same time as Andrew and I was already high risk obviously. So, you know, I come to find out that I contracted listeria, which is a very rare, um, infection. And we had to deal with that. I actually got um, antibiotics and they had to do like a pick line, which was extremely painful so that I could get the antibiotics for the amount of time that I needed. I think it was actually 21 days that I was going to have antibiotics. And on day 14, I start to develop a rash all over my body. So I'd go to the hospital and they're like, well, you're allergic to penicillin i think they gave me ampicillin so i'm like fantastic so that happened um i got through that and because you know when you have a c-section the you know the outside um heals much faster than the inside i mean you can only imagine like the layers and layers of skin and everything that they have to go through. So the inside um, doesn't heal as fast as the outside. So they were very careful about when they were going to schedule another C-section. So first they said, well, we don't know if you can do um, a natural birth after your traumatic C-section, emergency C-section. So they said, we are going to schedule a delivery So this was for Alyssa scheduled delivery at 36 weeks because they wanted to make sure that like my incision didn't like rip open from the inside, um, you know, as my belly grew. So Alyssa was going to be technically preterm. Um, but when I got to the hospital at that point, her lungs weren't completely, um, fully developed. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so they did an amniocentesis twice because they did the first time and they found out she wasn't ready. So they waited a week. Um, so at this point I was 37 weeks, which is technically full term. And they're like, okay, she's ready now. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, great. So I go in for a C-section and Alyssa was born. And it was a a little bit of a different experience. I actually got to see her crying face (laughs) as they pulled her out. And I just remember looking at her, I'm like, wow, she's got a lot of hair. (laughs) So and it's funny, because when I was pregnant with her, I had severe heartburn. And I don't know if this is true. But they say that when you have severe heartburn when you're pregnant, it's because you have a hairy baby. <laughs> She's going to hate me when she hears this, if she ever hears this. But I don't know if it's true, but it was true for me. But anyway, that is um my story of infertility and emergencies and pregnancies and preterm births and all of that good stuff. So... um you know, 11 years after my second child was born, there's still that, um, you know, those memories and just, man, like we got it, we got through that and we learned so much and, you know, we absolutely love our kids. And I mean, you know, we wish things would have turned out better, but they just turned out the way they turned out so we're just super thankful to have healthy kids now and then now we can just you know tell them this story and i'm publishing this episode on november 17th which is world prematurity day so please share this episode to honor those who were born preterm and i also want to give a special thanks to the nicu nurses and doctors who took care of andrew 24 7. So they could ensure that he had the best chance of survival. And also big thanks to LAPD who rallied together for a blood drive for Andrew when he needed a transfusion. I mean, we're so thankful for the abundance of support that we received during those times. So thanks for listening to our story.